listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Thank you for listening. The Infinite Smile Sangha is made possible by the generosity of friends, members, and people who have been touched by this teaching. Please visit our donations page at infinitesmile.org to help us continue our efforts in spreading the Dharma. Most of us operate under the mistaken belief that we are somehow separate from the infinite. We're separate from the infinite and therefore we create conditions we believe will get us closer to it. And this is what we call delusion. We work so hard to create situations that will bring us closer to spirit, so to speak, closer to God, closer, whatever words you want to use. And in this way, we create distance, actually, from what is real and authentic. We create distance between ourselves and the recognition of what spirit is. I keep wanting to use the word God, so if I do, forgive. If it bugs you, look at that. <laughs> Just look at, look at your resistance there. <laughs> God. <laughs> but meditation or, or a stillness practice is designed... It is, it, what it does is it sets us up to fail. <laughs> it sets us up to fail. And what I mean by that is, we believe that meditation will get us closer to God, closer to spirit. And meditation continually shows us again and again and again that nothing is going to get us closer to spirit than what we're already doing. We are never not the dance of the infinite. Ever. No matter what. We are still, always and forever, an expression of spirit in action. But when we get to a place where we no longer are creating systems, mechanisms, scenarios, relationships that we somehow think will get us closer. We start recognizing that spirit is not out there. Spirit is out there and in here and everywhere in between. I remember, you guys remember the uh, cartoon Casper the Friendly Ghost? Remember that? So he was this rather pathetic, friendly ghost that was kind of, you know, trying to be good all the time. And all the other ghosts were really scary, but he was a good ghost. What a tragedy. I, I thought after, I saw it a few times as a kid, and I remember talking to my mom very seriously about this. Mom, this is sad. <laughs> Casper's just totally, what's he going to do? I mean, he's never, he's always, of course I didn't say this, but, but always in conflict, you know. This little ghost is always in conflict. 
Um, this, of course, got me kind of, uh, I was kind of possessed, actually, with, uh, with ghosts as, as a little kid because I remember asking my parents, well, what is a ghost? And my dad came up with the best answer. He says, it's nothing covered by a sheet. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I was watching uh, my one and a half year old daughter run through the house she has this really cool ritual when she gets out of the shower it's a sprint somewhere she'll sprint somewhere but it will be wherever I am not or her mother is not so it's out of the shower she's off and she runs and runs and runs, and, and we find it quite funny because it, one or both of us is, you know, we're, we're trying to catch this little naked baby running around, and one of us has been in the shower, so one of us is naked, and we're praying that the neighbors don't, don't see this, you know, the little, little kid just running, and then, you know, Mike or his wife running after her. Well, we only catch her when she decides, and this happens every single time, that she needs to urinate. She, she suddenly, she's running, and then she stops and squats and then goes, wee-wee. <laughs> and it's like all is right with the universe in this moment for this little kid. And I'll be damned if it isn't all right in the universe with me, even though she's just pissed all over the new carpet or something. I mean, it's just, man, that was good. Nice job. The reason I'm going through this is because her then, the then next part of the ritual is she will at that point accept a towel and she puts it over her head like a ghost. And I don't know how, how she's kind of come up with this, but she puts it over her head, and then it's boo. And she can't see where she's going, so she tends to walk into things, which I, since I'm a sucker for cheap humor, I think this is funny. Now, her mother, on the other hand, thinks I'm a rat bastard for thinking it's funny. But when she starts going boo, boo, bonk right into the wall or something like that, and then falls down, I'm... I'm on the floor. Um, and for all those, those of you keeping score at home, she does not get hurt. I mean, it's nothing tragic, but it's, it's just absolutely hilarious. And this is what we are. We are nothing covered by a sheet. As Cade kind of walks around blindly, I'm looking at human delusion. That is exactly what we're like. And if we think about this metaphor, it's so beautiful because it's as if we go through this world as nothing, but we're covered by a sheet that is decorated just so, so that we give off the right ghostly impression to the world, that our sheet is, is decorated just perfectly to represent us. We call it a personality. We call it an ego. We call it a small self. We call it, I mean, there are all sorts of things we can call that sheet. What's interesting is that if we can carry this metaphor on a little bit, this, this sheet that's covering nothingness gets bummed out if stuff gets on it. You know, if chaos happens, the sheet is like, oh, I got to get I got to get this cleaned off. I have to manage this somehow. 
if something gets thrown on the sheet like extra work for us to do or the sheet begins to think that it needs to have more colors, more achievements, more stripes, so it's whatever it is. It cares. But what's underneath the sheet couldn't care less. The sheet covering emptiness is obsessed with trespasses that have been thrown against it. It is obsessed with what could happen in the future. It is obsessed with judging and evaluating, compartmental, compartmentalizing and categorizing other sheets and itself. It evaluates other ghosts constantly. As a collective, all sorts of sheets can do all sorts of stuff too. But what's underneath? What's underneath does not care about what the sheet looks like. What's underneath, if stuff gets thrown, if stuff gets thrown at what's underneath, what happens to it? It goes right through it. It's of no consequence. It's only consequential to that which is covering emptiness. So when I pick my baby up after she's walked into a wall or something and fallen on her little tuchus and she lifts the... Uh, the, the uh, towel off and looks at me and usually smiles. It's a reflection of what's underneath every sheet. An innocent, open, radiant smile. So, how can we best apply this to our lives? I don't really know I don't know what's best for you. But this realization that we are covering what's true in us with something that um, doesn't really need to be there. If we can begin to see that, if we can begin to practice with that as we sit still, as we can begin to let the sheet go And only use it as a tool instead of covering up what's truly beautiful in each one of us. If we can do that, we can see what's underneath everybody else. Everybody else's decoration. Everybody else's window dressing. Everybody else's personality. We can see, in other words, what's behind the mask. The ghost is still a ghost, whether it's got a sheet covering it or not. And somehow I wish Casper could have recognized that before the series went off the air.
Any questions? Yes? <laughs> I'm not sure how to ask this. Um, the universe has no preference whatsoever. And so I, so I always think, does the universe, <laughs> so ha where does the joy in experiencing come from and does the universe or whatever watching know how great it is? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> kind, of, kind of, but let's get really clear with the question. It sounds like what you're asking is how, how does, since the universe has no preference, how is it that it knows what's really cool? I guess I just am getting stuck there. Okay. Have a good time there. <laughs> Let's think about this. Have a great time there. I'm serious. Formed question. No. no. Well, I think I think what you're what you're asking is the universe. The universe has no preference. Yes, you're right. Therefore, how could it care whether you're happy or not? Or if we're experiencing or not. So we're out there experiencing everything. But wait, the universe, the universe is not separate from you. So if you are experiencing bliss, the universe experiences bliss through you. But nobody cares. No, least of all the universe. <laughs> no. Preferences are, are sheet issues. Sheets prefer. I have to be really careful how I say this. <laughs> Sheets prefer. Coverings prefer various things. Those will never go away. But preferences, it's not that preferences, you ever have to get rid of preferences. Getting rid of preferences is just another preference. Indeed, it can become a, an attachment. But here's what preferences can do, and they're always a great tool for practice. Preferences always show us where our attachments are, right? You scratch a little bit beneath the preference, dang, you're right in there. You're right into an egoic attachment. You're right into, you, you are immediately into a space on the sheet that the sheet is very proud of. That, uh, whoa. Uh -huh. I made that. You know. <laughs> little rhinestones, you know, whatever it is. But in practice, preferences are hugely important, hugely useful. The universe has none. And the more you begin to study your preferences, that which is studying the preferences recognizes that it has none. The preferences are merely scripts, merely stories that show up on the stage of mind. Yeah? Good question. <laughs> yes. So, why is it that we want to get rid of? E There's the non-ego self, that that being which we all seek to get in touch. The watcher, the one who's watching the watcher, and that complete place of stillness. What's underneath the sheet? You mean? No, I'm just describing over here, this which I'm moving towards, that I keep moving into. Okay. And uh, as opposed to the complete 
ego which lives in the future and in mm. the past that's completely absorbed and when I'm there, unaware of this other. Right. Why is it that I want to move from where I am normally, mm -hmm. naturally? Why am I trying to shift over into this other thing? It's really fascinating, but where you are naturally <clears throat> is in that other thing. Then why do I need to shift there? You do not. The eye can't shift there. Okay? I'm not trying to play games with you here, but what you just described was a place that you need to move to, which is exactly what I talked about at the beginning of the talk. We set up all these things helping us try to get somewhere other than where we are. Actually, awakening happens here. Okay? The rest of the stuff, that's why I, kept, I tried to pull you back towards what's underneath the sheet. What's underneath the Robert? What's underneath all of that right there is positively breathtaking. It's beautiful. It is the universe. That's what's at your core. That's what's on the surface. That's what's on outside of you. The rest of the stuff, Robert, is just mind. And why isn't that positively breathtaking? It is. It, it absolutely <laughs> is. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's a, is it beautiful to you right now? Does it feel marvelous? Okay, then that's not what I'm talking about. In other words, we practice, we practice letting go layer after layer after layer, just like an onion. Okay? And the more we sit, it's like every time we sit, there goes another layer. We sit again, there goes another and we keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going until nothing's left. And the ability for us to respond from that place is so huge, it's so open, because there's no longer any boundary to who we are, and we live that boundaryless state as what is pre was previously seen as the final story, which is, I have, I have skin, I'm this body, it's getting old, my goodness, my health is, you know, Instead, what we start approaching is something that allows us to respond lovingly in every single instance. So rather than trying to get somewhere, what we're trying to do is burn away the stuff that is really unnecessary and indeed that is, if you will, muddying up the light out of the, you know, out of the lampshade. Remember we've talked about this, how that you can look at this process of awakening as like this radiant jewel covered by a lampshade and our life has put all this mud and muck and stuff on the lampshade and every time we sit we sweep a little bit off the lampshade indeed practice itself is just taking stuff off, off the lampshade until what's left just this radiant light of who we are and miraculously we see that it's not just us that the light that I see within is also the light that I see within you and within you, and you, and everyone else. And there's no reason to go there if you don't want to. No reason at all. But I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> Richard. I really like your observation about the uh, sheet. 
and, and, and the child, because I find in a little child um, pure innocence. Mm. And as they get older, they get these preferences. And as they get really older, uh, I find I have difficulty being around them. <laughs> the beauty of the innocent uh, yeah. one or two-year-old that hasn't learned yet that's how they came into the world. Is, it's, it's a miracle. Uh, well, let me, let me take the analogy a little bit further. I find you so much more, you've got to be, what, close to pushing 55 years old now, right? Or so? I'm your father's age. I know, I know. <laughs> you are so much more easy to deal with than you were 35 years ago. And even then, you were pretty damn easy to deal with. But there's something on the other end of that childlike innocence when there's a certain surrender that happens. And I may be wrong, but I'm, I'm seeing it in your eyes every, every time I bump into you these days. You know, There's a certain ease in you that is mirroring the ease that I, start, I, I see in my, my daughter's face, although she's much cuter, no offense. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying, though? There is something... There, the minute we start seeing purity and innocence in others is the minute we've accepted something pure and innocent within ourselves. It's reflexive, you know? And uh, the judgments kind of start to fall away and so forth. And um, we start realizing how we really are surrounded daily by beautiful beings, even when they're not pretty, you know? Thanks for saying that, though. I appreciate it. <laughs> One more question. We're going to end a little early tonight because it's uh, social, social time. Yes, sir. This is kind of basic. Sure. <clears throat> well, what's the significance of looking in at the beginning and then turning around and looking out and then turning around and looking in? Oh, you mean in meditation? Yeah. Well, There's this great legend. That I'll, it actually is pretty extensive, but I'll, I'll give you the 30-second version. This guy named uh, Bodhidharma, um, he stared at a cement wall for nine years, I guess it was. And he got so frustrated staring at the, uh, staring at the wall uh, because he would, he would fall asleep that he actually tore his eyelids off. Okay? It's juicy, isn't it? Okay? <laughs> tears his eyelids off and so when you see sculptures of Bodhidharma you see a guy that looks like it's, it's really brutal you recognize him wherever you go in any type of uh, uh, you know Buddhist uh, paraphernalia shop or whatever you know Bodhidharma is the real scary one but what he did with his uh, eyelids is he threw, him, threw him one, to his, one to his right one to his left and they became the first tea leaves in China then he reaches enlightenment I'm skipping way ahead and then he turns around. So what we do is we turn around. I think it's actually, there's a much more practical reason for this. We turn around to, to mirror what Bodhidharma did, but also to give ourselves privacy when we sit. So we're together, but we also, we're not, we're, we're not facing some, you know, some center point. So we're facing outside. And then when we have our discussion, we face back in. So that's kind of, I guess that's, that's where the tradition comes in. But as most people know here, I'm, I'm not much for tradition. Yeah. You're very welcome. Yeah. Appreciate it.
Is there one more? Do you have one more? You're just bowing? Anytime you want. We good? Thank you so much for coming tonight. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm.